This is The Political Scene, and I'm David Remnick. Seven years ago, Ty Cobb was a partner in a big international law firm, prominent, well-connected. Then he got a phone call. Would he give up his job to go work for the White House for a while? The client was Donald Trump, and the issue was Russian interference in the 2016 election. Trump and many others were being investigated in a probe headed by Robert Mueller, the former FBI director. In the end, some of Trump's circle were indicted. Some even went to jail. But Trump himself avoided indictment and dismissed the entire thing as a witch hunt. But Ty Cobb went on to call Robert Mueller an American hero and Trump a threat to democracy. And one of the presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay? You're delinquent? He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. You got to pay your bills. Now, once again, Donald Trump's attitude toward Vladimir Putin is in the headlines after his recent remarks about NATO and in the wake of Alexei Navalny's death in a Russian prison. Trump is also facing more than 90 criminal charges. I spoke about all of that last week with Ty Cobb. Right off the bat, because of your involvement in the Russia investigation, I have to ask you about your reaction to the death of Alexei Navalny and maybe even more to the point because of your own experience, Donald Trump's reaction to the death of Alexei Navalny. You know, you don't have, sadly, in our day, people throughout history who, you know, put purpose over and principle over safety. Uh, Navalny sort of stands alone in this century, I think, um, so far, uh, as the person who, you know, best and certainly most immediately uh, projects that. Uh, I, th- I think, uh, you know, he's as much a hero as anybody I can look back in history on um, and call a hero. Joe Biden acknowledged Navalny's heroism, both when he, he was alive and, and even more forcefully after he, he died, and is promising more sanctions and was pretty unambiguous about it. Donald Trump's reaction was... Oh, no, I, I'm not with you 100%. To, yeah, Donald Trump was, did not condemn Putin at all. In fact, compared Joe Biden to Putin and himself to Alexei Navalny. He wrote this on Truth Social. The sudden death of Alexei Navalny has made me more and more aware of what is happening in our country. It is a slow, steady progression with crooked, radical left politicians, prosecutors, and judges leading us down a path to destruction. This Judge Arthur Engeron ruled against you for almost a half a billion dollars. Uh, it's a lot it of dough. It is a, lot a of form of Navalny. It is a form of uh, communism or fascism. How did you react to that? Whatever, whatever device people pick up to try to translate Trump, the focus needs to be analyzing everything he says through his narcissism. And he can't talk about anybody else favorably for two seconds without turning it, you know, to himself, comparing himself to, you know, Martin Luther King or uh, Navalny or, you know, he, he only uses uh, heroes, historical heroes to try to glorify himself. Shouldn't surprise anybody because that's what he does in every circumstance. Uh, I think what surprises me is uh, how 
different uh, he speaks now than he did in 2016. He was pretty unhinged in 2016, but he at least had people like Kushner and um, others, you know, whispering in his ear about you know, what was important to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he doesn't have, you know, even that level of a check. Now, I want to go back in time. You were mm-hmm. very respected lawyer in Washington. You get this phone call that you're going to work with Donald Trump. What was your initial reaction? Did you have any qualms about it? And why did you go forward? Did you get a sense that Donald Trump had a respect for the process, for the rule of law? Or did you get the sense that you were in a purely political um, realm? So his sense was that he was in a purely political realm. You know, and this was a personal attack on him and it was set up by uh, the FBI and perhaps others. Um, but my own sense was this was purely legal, um, at least as, as it was, at least in Mueller's circumstances. There's been a kind of um, resurrection of discussion lately, in fact, in recent days, about Donald Trump and his attitude toward Putin, his attitude toward Putin's circle. And his comments about, or lack of comments about Navalny, have revived the notion that somehow, and you see it with Nancy Pelosi, that somehow Russia and Putin has something on Donald Trump. How do you react to that? So, taking that predicate first, you know, I don't, there's no evidence of that. And I, I mean, I looked for it (laughs) for a year. Um, And um, shame on me if I didn't find it if it's if it's really there uh, i don't think putin has anything on trump um but you know he 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 sort of admires the the power that uh putin has accumulated and he um um you know has much the same style in fact i think his takeover of the rnc was very mob-like um you know he just took it over and you know uh, quite likely intends to Loot it for his uh, daughter for his well yeah well well so putting her in um, I think is um, emblematic of the way he views it as you know a, a tool to serve himself but I think you know what the big the the end game there is uh, being able to try to um, uh, dictate who's going to be a candidate and uh, who's going to get the financial support and also using that financial support for his own liabilities. So I divorced the Russia investigation from anything that Trump has done with Putin. Um, uh, you know, the, you know, there was just nothing in the investigation, um, as the report reflects, uh, frankly, uh, that ties Trump to Putin or Putin even to the you know attempt to influence. Uh, and there's there's now, uh, thankfully, public uh, significant information that undercuts you know uh, Brennan and Clapper uh, and uh, any suggestion that. Putin preferred Trump to uh, Clinton. But in terms of uh, Trump's affection for Putin or Putin's... Again, as somebody who's been looking at Russia for an awfully long time and is following it, the the, the notion that Putin preferred Trump to Clinton is pretty incontrovertible. It comes right from Putin's mouth and from various celebrations in in the highest echelons of Yedina Rasiya, the United Russia Party, and and, and all the rest. But let's debate that another time. What accounts for Donald Trump's seeming unwillingness at any point to show any a critical mind toward Vladimir Putin? In my own judgment, 
I think Trump's, you know, fascination with Putin is, you know, he has what Trump wants, which is total control and adulation and, you know, riding, riding the horse with his shirt off. Uh, now, we're never going to see Trump with his shirt off, but... Well, thank I, God I do, for small favors. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do think it's really, it's really a function of his narcissism and his admiration for, you know, people who, you know, have the stature within their, you know, sphere that he, he would like. Why have you decided to become much blunter and about your assessment of Trump in, in recent in recent times? Because I think he um, certainly post January sixth uh, has been exposed as the you know greatest threat to democracy that we've ever seen. And I'm a citizen, and I grew up in a little town in Kansas. My dad was a naval fighter pilot. I was the oldest of eight kids, and uh, I've spent much of my life in public service and. I've never been one to shy away from um, saying what I mean. Right now, we're looking at a Donald Trump trying to get a second term, running ahead in most of the polls. Right. And at the same time, he's facing over 90 felony charges across four criminal cases. Right. A couple of civil cases have already come to their conclusion, sexual assault and defamation, his case about his business in New York City. And that could all leave him about $400 million poorer. How do you assess this lineup of cases arrayed against Donald Trump? Which are the strongest ones? Which are the weakest? And which are the cases that are the most consequential for the election? Um, the, only, the only two cases that I think uh, are consequential are the two federal cases. There's no defense in the classified documents case, particularly given the obstruction and the false affidavits um, uh, related to it. And the, the fact that he actually shared those documents uh, willy-nilly with, you know, visitors to Mar-a-Lago, including, you know, one of his closest advisors who's going to be a witness for the government. So I think, you know, he's dead, but uh, he's got the protection of the judge uh, who has uh, has basically slowed that case down to the point where there's no chance that it can get uh, to trial before the election. The only case that can get to the tri- get to trial before the election is the federal case in, in D.C. involving um, uh, Trump's uh, uh, failure to allow the peaceful transfer of power and his attempts to obstruct that. Uh, that hinges on uh, whether or not the Supreme Court takes certiorari on uh, on the um, immunity issue. In other words, the court can agree to hear Trump's immunity argument, or they can let the lower court's ruling on immunity stand and let the case go to trial. Right. And if they grant it, I think that dooms the dooms that case uh, from getting to trial before the election. If they deny it, then I think it could be tried in in July or late June. The problem with the, the New York case uh, is not that Alvin Bragg ran on trying to get Trump. Uh, that's a political problem. That's a perception problem. But there are legal legal defects to the way that case was charged. We're talking about the case involving Stormy Daniels and Hush Money. Right. Uh, the misdemeanor that is charged only becomes a felony if you can tie it to an actual felony. And the felony they attempt to tie it to is a violation of the federal election laws. Now, there's a serious constitutional issue as to whether a state uh, prosecutor can charge federal crimes. Um, and the almost universal consensus is they can't. Right. So I think at the end of this. So that's the, weak, um, that's the weakest of the bunch. Right. That's very weak. And it's going to occupy, you know, a month of. You know, Trump um, railing against uh, the system in New York and um, uh, and the judges and 
and the prosecutors, uh, of which I think we're all tired uh, and familiar. And what happens if he does win the presidency? If he does win the presidency, he'll direct the Justice Department to um, uh, dismiss uh, both cases. And what uh, ensues and, from and, what, what would ensue and, from that? And maybe that's a political, sociological question rather sure. than a, a legal one. If if Trump is convicted here, he will be out on a, uh, appeal bond. Uh, the appeal won't be heard before his uh, his inauguration. Should he win, and uh, immediately after inauguration, he'll have it dismissed, and it'll be as though the case has never existed. And just to, to round things out, the Georgia case, which has sure. its own so peculi- peculiarities, to say the least. Boy, that's for sure. Um, you know, uh, everybody's got different interests that they can bring to the attention of the judge in advance of trial that I think will delay that uh, well beyond the election. Um, the Georgia case is not something, though, Trump can dismiss. But I think the general legal consensus, uh, which is only based on policy and not based on any any statute or precedent, is that it's likely Trump would be allowed to serve his full term or serve until impeached before that case could be brought. Right. And at which point he'd be, you know, 80, 83 or four. And, you know, who knows what would happen. Ty Cobb, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. No, no I really enjoyed visiting with you. It was an honor to be with you. Good to see you. Take care. Ty Cobb was special counsel to Donald Trump during the Mueller investigation, and he's an attorney in Washington, D.C.